Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Middle East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Gulf states are in a pickle. They fear that the emerging parameters of a reconfigured U.S. commitment to security in the Middle East threaten to upend a more than century-old pillar of regional security and leave them with no good alternatives. The shaky pillar is the Gulf monarchy's reliance on a powerful external ally that, in the words of Middle East scholar Roby Barrett, shares the strategic, if not dynastic, interests of the Arab states. The ally was Britain and France in the first half of the 20th century, and the United States since then. Sheikh Zayed bin Sultan al Nahyan, the revered founder of the United Arab Emirates, implicitly recognized the Gulf states' need for external support when he noted in a 2001 contribution to a book that the six monarchies that form the Gulf Cooperation Council only support the GCC when it suited them. Question marks about the reliability of the United States going forward may be unsettling, but the emerging contours of what a future U.S. approach could look like are not all bad news from the perspective of the region's autocratic regimes. The contours, coupled with the uncertainty, the Gulf states' unwillingness to integrate their defense strategies, a realization that neither China nor Russia wish to step into the United States' shoes, and a need to attract foreign investment to diversify their energy-dependent economies is driving efforts to dial down regional tensions and strengthen regional alliances. Israeli Foreign Minister Yair Lapid and Abdullah bin Zayed al Nahyan, his UAE counterpart, are headed to Washington this week for a tripartite meeting with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. The three officials intend to discuss accomplishments since last year's establishment of diplomatic relations between the two countries and other important issues, Mr. Blinken tweeted. The Israeli Foreign Ministry suggested those other issues include further opportunities to promote peace in the Middle East as well as regional stability and security, a reference to Iran. From the Gulf's perspective, the good news is also that the Biden administration's focus on China may mean that it is reconfiguring its military presence in the Middle East with the moving of some assets from the Gulf to Jordan and the withdrawal from the region of others, but is not about to pull out lock, stock, and barrel. Beyond having an interest in ensuring the free flow of trade and energy, the U.S.'s strategic interest in a counter-terrorism presence in the Gulf has increased following the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. The U.S. now relies on an over-the-horizon approach to which the Middle East is crucial. Moreover, domestic U.S. politics mitigate towards a continued, if perhaps reduced, military presence, even if Americans are tired of foreign military adventures, and despite the emergence of a Biden doctrine that de-emphasizes military engagement and the fact that the Washington foreign policy's elite's focus is on Asia rather than the Middle East. 
various powerful lobbies and interest groups, including Jews, Israelis, Gulf states, evangelists, and the oil and defense industries retain a stake in a continued U.S. presence in the region. Their voices are likely to resonate louder in the run-up to crucial midterm congressional elections in 2022. A recent Pew Research survey concluded that the number of white evangelicals had increased in the United States from 25% of the population in 2016 to 29% in 2020. Similarly, like Afghanistan, the fading hope for a revival of the 2015 International Agreement to curb Iran's nuclear program, from which former President Donald Trump withdrew in 2018, and the risk of a major military conflagration makes a full-fledged U.S. military withdrawal anytime soon unlikely. It also increases the incentive to continue major arms sales to Gulf countries. That's further good news for Gulf regimes against the backdrop of an emerging U.S. arms sale policy that the Biden administration would like to project as emphasizing respect for human rights and rule of law, but that de facto is unlikely to affect big-ticket prestige items like the F-35 fighter jets promised to the UAE. Instead, the policy will probably apply to smaller weapons, such as assault rifles and surveillance equipment, that police or paramilitary forces could use against protesters. Those are not the technological edge items where the United States has a definitive competitive advantage. The big ticket items with proper maintenance and training would allow Gulf states to support U.S. regional operations, as the UAE in Qatar did in 2011 in Libya, and the UAE in Somalia and Afghanistan as part of peacekeeping missions. In other words, Gulf states can relax. The Biden administration is not embracing what some arms trade experts define as the meaning of ending endless wars such as Afghanistan. Ending endless wars means more than troop withdrawal. It also means ending the militarized approach to foreign policy, including the transfer of deadly weapons around the world that has undermined human rights and that few Americans believe makes the country any safer the experts said in a statement in April. There is little indication that the views expressed in the statement that stroke with thinking in the progressive wing of Mr. Biden's Democratic Party is taking root in the policy-making corridors of Washington. As long as that doesn't happen, Gulf states have less to worry about. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, the turbulent world of Middle East soccer at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.